some fell right down that rabbit hole So reality is questionable Try but you just can't let it go These two right here put on the show It's paranormal overload with southern hospitality Haunted murder mayhem tip while discussing immortality Locations with a dark past History that comes to life Hillbillies with a knack for Everything that goes bump at night Overthinking if you by yourself These two will have you turning on the lights Mixing in a little comedy to make sure it all fits in just right Hey, Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories Now here's your hosts Jerry and Tracy Paul Heather Dog Ninja Hey guys, it's Jerry from Hillbilly Horror Stories. You know we always try to turn you guys on to the best paranormal podcasts out there. With that said, do you like stories of the strange, the weird, and the unexplained? Then we want you to check out Jim Harold's Campfire. It's definitely one of the best paranormal podcasts out there, and it's on the top of my favorites list. What makes it so great? It's that the concept is pretty simple. Jim just talks to regular people like you and me, They talk about all the strange stuff that happens to them for 90 minutes every week. He doesn't exaggerate or play a lot of spooky music. The stories speak for themselves. These stories cover everything from ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, and some head scratchers. For example, there's a story involving serial killer Ted Bundy. There's also a story about an alien abduction that may have been by a reptilian. And there's one young man who encountered an eight-legged demon. That's right, an eight-legged demon. Now, not all these stories are horrifying. Some are heartwarming, like a visit from a past loved one or a peaceful near-death experience, perhaps. I was lucky enough to share my heartwarming story about two bikers who delivered a message to me from my passed-on mother. These stories are true and fascinating and told by ordinary people who've had extraordinary experiences. Tune in to Jim Harold's Campfire on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to Hillbilly Horror Stories. Trust me. It's going to be your new favorite. Hey guys, welcome to episode 296 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. Tracy. Yes, my love. Obviously, we want to thank all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thank you for all that you do to keep us safe. Amen. You guys have really been having to go at it hard here lately, and we just continue to pray for you guys. Thank you guys so much for protecting our country we are so thankful for you guys you just don't know so prayers come in still just come home safe and tracy obviously we want to make sure it's never understated that if uh, you're struggling right now mentally for whatever reason we want you to reach out to us if you can't reach out to us or don't feel comfortable reach out to the group friends family members just make the call yeah, absolutely, guys. We are here for you all 24-7, and don't feel like you can't reach out to us, because if we just need somebody to talk to, and then we don't even say a word, sometimes that's the best help at all that, you know, if nothing else we can give you. If you don't feel comfortable doing that, um, you can call 1-800-273-8255. You can also text 741 but we're here for you guys. We love you. Our group is here for you guys. Always reach out. Yeah, we've spent the entire weekend helping out a friend, and we're just glad that that person made the call. Absolutely. And I don't know why I said guys like 100 times, so sorry, y'all. Yeah, sorry, guys. <laughs> Tracy, in this episode, we're going to talk about the Perryville Battlefield. Okay, Perryville. Where's that at? That sounds familiar. Perryville is south of us. Okay, that's why it does then. Yeah, so if you go um, through like Winchester and and, uh, Nicholasville Mm -hmm. and all that, or actually through Nicholasville, you'll eventually get there. It's about an hour and 15 minutes from us, not very far. And I've been saying for a long time, we're going to go, we're going to go. We've actually had a couple of invites to go there for uh, um, an investigation. And uh, Eddie invited us out to an investigation, but we couldn't go at the time. Oh, darn. So we'll probably end up hooking up with, with Eddie to do that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's the next best thing to Gettysburg as far as closest to us, because this place is loaded with stuff. So, the battlefield, the Perryville Battlefield is in Perryville, Kentucky. 
Now, we're also going to hear from Hunter Redfern, which is a cool name. It is. He's one of the stars of the upcoming movie, The Wendigo. Nice. This is like a uh, one of those found footage films. Mm-hmm. But uh, he'll tell you a little bit about the movie. Of course, he can't give away a lot. It's not due out until October. And I think what we're going to do is after this thing hits the uh, the uh, the film circuits out there with uh, the film festivals and all that stuff, we're going to try to get him and uh, two or three others on the show at the same How time. How fun will that be? Yeah. That would be amazing. But it looks like I got to see the trailer, and I'm going to put the trailer out. So by the time you hear this, just go to Hibbley Horror Stories, the page, or the group. And I'll have the trailer out for both of them so you can kind of see what it is. But it's, it's right now in the uh, polishing up stage, editing, and stuff like that. So we're also going to touch base today on the actual battle of Perryville. But the main focus today is going to be on the paranormal aspects because there are a lot of them. It's a good thing. Yeah. So for those of you that are unfamiliar, we'll at least give you the basics of it. So the Battle of Perryville, also known as the Battle of Chaplin Hills, was fought during the Civil War on October 8th, 1862. 1,422 people lost their lives on that Oh, day. wow, that's a lot. An additional 5,534 were wounded, and another 665 were either listed as missing or captured. Whoa. So... Over six, uh, 7,000 people that day were affected either by injury, death, or missing or captured. That's insane. The Confederate Army eventually won this battle. Now, here's the basics. On October 7, 1862, Major Don Carlos Buells, his army was from Mississippi, and they approached the crossroads town of Perryville, Kentucky. Union forces had skirmished with Confederates on the Springfield Pike before the fighting began on Peter Hill. Now, the next day, the fighting continued as the Union Division advanced up the pike. But afternoon, a Confederate division attacked the Union, uh, the, the Union's left flank, and they made them fall back. Now, more Confederates soon joined, and the Union decided to make a stubborn stand. So even though they were kind of outnumbered, they dug in their, their heels and said, you know what, here we go. So the Union countered, and uh, but eventually they retreated. Now reinforced on their left, Union troops stabilized their line, and the Confederate attack sputtered to a halt. But later, three more Confederate regiments assaulted a Union division on the Springfield Pike, but then they fell back into Perryville. This is how it all gets to Perryville. Bragg, being short of men and supplies, he decided to withdraw during the middle of the night. So the battle was a Confederate uh, tactical victory, to say the least, but Bragg retreating effectively ended the battle. Okay. So they just decided, we're just going to get the hell out of Dodge. Mm-hmm. Or Perryville, in this case. Yes. All right, so let's talk ghost. Okay. Like I said earlier, there are several stories of hauntings at the Perryville Battlefield. We're going to start with 1996. There's a place there called the Bottoms House. Now, it was bought by a group called the Perryville Enhancement Project. There's a lot of old buildings on the site that obviously needed to be taken care of. This is one that they bought to restore. They wanted to restore it back to its grandeur of 1870. The problem was they only had one picture to work from, and that showed them what the outside looked like. They had the clapboard roof put on, and they stripped all the walls down to the original beams. The crew was surprised to find several bullet holes in the walls. I don't know why they would be surprised. Yeah, well. I think I think some of it had already been updated, so when oh, they okay. pulled some of the stuff down, they had seen the mm-hmm. other the bullet holes in the older uh, walls, whatever it was. One of these bullets had went from the outside of the upstairs bedroom through the mid wall and lodged into the back wall. That's a uh, that's a lot of yeah coverage. A lot of wood <laughs> to go through. But wait, there's more. Oh yay! They get to the attic and they find a blood stained original door from the house. 
They believe that this door may have been used as an amputation table used by a doctor by the name of J.J. Polk. wonder why they left that there, I wonder. I don't know. But this thing was, I mean, you got to figure this would have been over 100 years mm-hmm. from the time that it would there and it's been in that house all this time. Oh, gosh. Oh, that's a good find. During the grand opening celebration of the Bottoms House, they had a Civil War reenactment. Some of the reenactors that were, uh, some of which were portraying the 15th Kentucky troops and the 3rd Ohio troops, they actually stayed in the home. One of the reenactors said that he became deathly ill as soon as he entered the house. As soon as he went in? As soon as he got in. He said he smelled a sweet, putrid odor, almost like the smell of blood was permeating through the house. Ah, that sounds terrible. He had to rush outside to vomit. But he gets outside and he doesn't vomit because instantly he feels better and everything went away. He didn't know the history of the Bottoms House either. So Mm -hmm. there was no reason for him to know that, you know, this was used as a hospital during the battle. Did he ever go back in, I wonder? I don't have that information. Another reenactor stayed upstairs. He said during the night, he didn't hear anything unusual. But when he woke up and walked downstairs, some kind of force tried to push him down the stairs. I don't know about these ghosts. They're rude as hell. Wait till we go there. Oh, you going to let one push me down the stairs? I'm not going to let it, but I mean, if it happens, it happens. I mean, what can I do? It's a ghost. Anyways, the year before in 1995, a group of Confederate uh, artillerists, they asked the park uh, manager there, the park director, if they could actually fire on the battlefield at nighttime. There's a reason why they want to do this, because apparently it's pretty cool. But they get the okay. And the cannon firing at nighttime, they said, shows the true glory of the raw force of the weapons that was used during the Civil War. You can see the sparks fly because it'd be a night. Mm -hmm. And you can see bright orange, white, and red fire actually coming from the cannon. Oh, I mean, that's cool. But are they just firing to fire? They don't know who they're firing at? Well, there's there's not going to be anybody there. They'll they'll be the only ones there because the park's closed. Oh, okay. They're just doing it to see that. Yeah, they're just doing it because it's cool. Okay, okay. Another cool thing is they said that the sound actually travels for miles when you fire off that cannon, which my ex-wife can attest to. (laughs) (laughs) It's an inside joke. So the, the smoke then layers itself and it creates an eerie effect. The cannon had been left on the battlefield near the Parsons Battery location where a reenactment had taken place earlier that day. So okay, th- that's so where it was it. already left. Mm-hmm. So they just had to go. They didn't have to haul it in or nothing at nighttime. It was already there. Oh, well, that's nice. That's helpful. The cannons were placed where what would have been um, the actual location during the battle. So right down the hill from uh, where Union General Jackson was actually killed is where these cannons were set up. Well, five members of the artillery crew got everything all set to go around 9.30 p.m. They brought their children and their wives along for the, just to see the spectacle because it was going to be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they brought them. They didn't want them to miss this. It was a full moon that night, and it kind of left the battlefield in a soft glow. So uh-huh. it was, it was yeah. going to be perfect. Now, it's important to note that during a function like this, where they're going to be firing this thing at night, the crew informs anyone at the park and anyone that uh, that's involved um, of the reenactment that this is going to be going on. Okay, then uh, they also make sure that there's no people within 400 yards in the path of where the cannon is. That's probably a good thing. Just to make sure nothing's going on. So one of the artillerists, he notices that there are two Union soldiers up on the bluff right where General Jackson was killed. There was also a large white-walled tent set up there. That's important. The crew is frustrated because they're ready to get this thing going. They're standing around with their arms crossed. And uh, they tell the commanding officer what's going on. So he decides to send a couple of people, which were uh, actually daughters of some of the infantrymen uh, up there, to let them know what was getting ready to happen. And they were getting ready to fire the first rounds. So the two young ladies made it about halfway up the hill. And they noticed that the soldiers and the tent had just simply vanished. 
Dang. Something everybody had seen, and now it's just gone. There's actually some more that has happened in this same little stretch of the park. There was a uh, reenactment in 2000. Several Union artillery pieces were set up exactly where Loomis Battery is. It had been 137 years earlier since the battle. So this has a tie-in to the last story, because while they were sitting around waiting for the reenactment to start, one of the reenactors who was at this previous event that we just spoke about decided that he was going to talk about the ghosts and tell people. So as he's telling his story, one of the Union reenactors, he tells him to kind of stop. He says, hold on a second. And he went and grabbed another one of the men, and he brings him over. And he says, okay, now go ahead and finish your story. Now, his story was about the ghost from a few years earlier, obviously, that we just talked about. Well, after he finished the story, the reenactor who had just came over that was brought over from his friend, he said that they saw two Union soldiers, but it was in broad daylight in the exact same area walking around towards Parsons Battery. He said they were even able to perfectly describe him. One of them had a beard, and he had his arm draped around his buddy's shoulder. Mm -hmm. And he said they get a little bit closer, and the two soldiers completely disappeared. Oh, gosh. So, I guess to them, they look like... Regular people. Yeah, like you couldn't see through them or anything. No. No, they look like regular people. And we're not through with this place yet. There was another reenactor... He was near the cannon on uh, Parsons Hill. It was another one of these nice moonlit nights, and several of the reenactors decided that they wanted to take a walk on the battlefield. So they crossed down in front of the, the guns, and that's when they heard what sounded like a very unique sound of a thud. Now, not just any thud, a thud they were familiar with. It's the sound that's made when the rammer is pulled from the cannon's opening. So you know what I'm talking about? Yes, in the front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the front. You got that thing that looks like a giant brush, brush or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they use that to, to jam down the stuff. Yeah. And it, But when you pull it out, it makes a thud, like a suction thing. Like, you uh-huh. know, almost like doing that thing with your mouth that I won't do. <laughs> anyway, it makes that sound. Anyway, the, the two people that heard it. They immediately whip around to the cannon, only to find that nobody's there. That's just, I don't know, that's so bizarre. There's also been several sightings of what has been dubbed the Cornfield Ghost. This is a Confederate soldier that seems to wander around the cornfield looking for his unit, people assume. Right. Another odd occurrence happened during the 125th and the 130th anniversary of the Battle of Perryville. Many people have witnessed a ghostly fog around there. Well, today at the site, there's a small dry creek bed that's along the bottom of the open hill. Well, the fog appears starting at Benton White Road, and you're going to hear that name a few times, and it goes slowly along the dry creek bed until it stops at the museum on site. Reenactors claim to have heard a rattling and banging of canteens, cups, and they've heard footsteps during this strange fog. And it happened both of those years, the 125th and the 130th anniversary. So a lot of people together hear it? or yes. just ran- Oh, yes. man. Here's a, that's the thing about these reenactments. In most cases, you have several people, sometimes up to 100 people. At these reenactments. So a lot of times you'll have 20 or 30 at a time in one certain area mm-hmm. to hear these things. I mean, that's that's encouraging. <laughs> so you don't think you're like crazy. Now, at this exact same place with the fog, let's talk about this fog. Here's another story that actually took place on a November night. It was around dusk. Two couples were traveling north on old LeBaron uh, Le Road. They were just driving the very last curve before the road straightens out and it leads to Perryville. They see through the mist a man, just standing alone or on the side of the road. It just so happens that one of the people that were in the car had studied the Battle of Perryville extensively. 
he noticed something amazing about the man. He was wearing a full Confederate infantry uniform. Nice. Realizing this, the driver slammed on the brakes, turned the car around, but the man had already vanished. (laughs) Now, there's a Confederate ghost that's been seen on three different occasions by three different people. One Confederate reenactor told a story uh, that he had to go relieve himself (laughs) during a reenactment. So, he picked an area of small cedar trees, which I'm going to tell people now, if you're not familiar with cedar trees, you need to be careful there because they have that dripping sap that's extremely sticky. Oh, yeah. And if you get that on your hand and you do your business, you may not be able to let go. Stick to your wiener. Right. You just, you're just so nasty. Wiener. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. I could have said pee-pee hole. He was right behind the Starkweather Hill. So while he was tinkling, a Confederate soldier walked right past him. The reenactor was really impressed by the soldier's look. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the soldier actually had a uniform that was dirty and weathered, and it looked really authentic. Because most of theirs kind of look new. Right. He said that the soldier's hair was also dripping with sweat. What really stuck out to him, though, was the way he carried his rifle. See, he carried his rifle campaign style, which is basically when you carry your strap and your gun where the gun faces down. The barrel of the gun faces oh, okay. down. Mm-hmm. That way, if it happens to rain, mm-hmm. water doesn't Don't get, get in inside and, and wet in your, your uh, artillery. Yeah. And it also prevents injury, keeps the soldier from shooting her head off. Oh. If you've got the gun facing up. That's true. That would be a dumb move to do. Right. So he, the man the man said he looked at the soldier and he nodded, but the soldier didn't say a word. And he just continued to walk right towards the small strip of trees that are in the back of Starkweather Hill, and he disappeared. Well, at least he didn't walk up on him urinating. <laughs> right. Later that day, he starts to tell a friend, who was a union reenactor, about what he had seen earlier in the day. The friend got really wide-eyed, and he told him that he had seen that same ghost. He said he had been at the front of the park, and he saw him walking towards him from the Chaplin River. He said hi to the soldier, and was completely ignored. At least that's what he thought, till the soldier completely vanished in front of him. How cool is that? Now, the third case involves a man that was walking through that same line of trees where the guy was taking a leak. He said that this time, though, the ghost was standing in the line of the trees, and when he passed him, passed the ghost, um, it just disappeared. So three different people had seen that same ghost in the vicinity at three different times. That is awesome. We could only be so lucky. All right, here's the last group of stories. This was uh, many years ago on this first part. Several Union reenactors decided that they wanted to take a walk through the battlefield at night. They walk along the Benton White Road. Told you he was going to hear about it again. And they came to an intersection of Hayes May Road. Then they walked toward the Russell House. Now, I use that term loosely because the house isn't actually there anymore, but the foundation still is. Uh It's still known as the Russell House. As they approached the house... The field became eerily quiet. No frogs, no crickets, nothing. Some of the men felt like there was someone watching them. Once they get past the house, all the normal noises of the forest came back. (laughs) Just in that little area, it was gone. On another occasion, some reenactors were walking along that same stretch of road. It was a warm October night, and all of the reenactors were dripping with sweat. Because you got to keep in mind, these uniforms, are the men are made out of wool, the heavy wool and the hat, and the women, you know, they had the heavy layered dresses and stuff too, yeah. so it was really hot. But as they get to the top of the hills, the temperature quickly dropped. I don't mean just a little, they could soon see their breath. 
That's probably a relief, though, wasn't it? Yeah, but I would still but think still that's, that would freak that's you not out. normal. No. So as they look out at the field, there were little small patches of fog that moved across the field as if it was small companies of soldiers were rushing to, the, to their battle line. All of the patches of the fog were rushing from all different directions to the bottom house. So. Mm-hmm. It probably looked like when you stand over top of one of those uh, electric football games. Yes. Where it vibrates and everything just kind of. Yep. I could see it. Now, another story about Hayes Maze Road involves several reenactors walking around. Now, along that road is a small cemetery called Whitechapel Cemetery. <gasps> I know you used to like that. Yeah. Is that what they call that one in front of the church? Yeah, it's Whitechapel, because it's on Whitechapel Road. That's what I thought. Uh-huh. Anyways, one of the female reenactors, she starts looking through at some of the tombstones. And she loves genealogy, and she had remarked about the dates and how old these headstones are. Well, there was another member of the group who was also really into genealogy. So he suggested that they come back the next day Mm -hmm. and do a little further investigating. But by the next day, they had forgotten. Plus, the two were so busy prepping for the the day's recreation of the battle that they just didn't have the time to do it. And, you know, so they said, well, we don't have time to go back to see the headstones. But the next year, the same uh, reenactors walked Hayes Maze Road. When they came to the cemetery, this was dark time, by the way. When they come to the cemetery... Much to their amazement, there were no graves and no headstones that they could see. What? Yeah. So the next day, they decided they would go out there in daylight. Well, they go back, and they only found two graves. Those graves, though, were from 1996, and none of the rest of the property had been disturbed. So in a sense, an entire cemetery disappeared. It was still Whitechapel Cemetery... So they weren't at the wrong place. What in the world? But now there was only two graves there. Oh, that's creepy as crap. Yeah. So, again, several people saw this. And that'll mess with your head. So, anyways, that's my story on Perryville. Very interesting. So, I can't wait to go check it out. And there's there's way more stories than that. That, That's just barely touching the surface. Mm Mm-hmm. But I thought those would be enough to get it started. There you go. That was pretty good. So... Anyways, what we are going to do, we're going to take a quick sponsor break, and then uh, we'll be right back with Hunter Redfern, and then uh, some quick announcements. Okay, dokie. All right, guys. We are right at a month away from the Ohio Mysterious Circumstances Hibbley Horror Story Show in Louisville. That is April 23rd, so it's rapidly approaching Get your tickets now. Yeah, you guys are in for a treat with those guys. They're crazy. Yes, to They're say crazy. the least. Yeah. To say the least. Yeah. But, so we got that one. Then we got our other events. I'm not going to bore you with those details right now. HillbillyHorrorStories.com. Get your tickets for that show. And then you can see all the other shows we got coming up, including The Cruise, which is also rapidly approaching. I know. Dang. I got to get my button gear. Okay. Or, or something. Well, I just wanted to say happy birthday to my beautiful daughter, Kristen, today. I love you so, so much. And also wanted to say that we got to spend some time with Sarita and her beautiful sister, Jennifer. They're both beautiful, beautiful souls. So much fun to hang with. We went to this awesome Mexican restaurant. I'm telling you, this place is legit. Me, Cozumel. I I mean, I wish we had. I wish we had one close. Do we not have anything like that here? No, I don't. I don't know of anything. Oh that my we got gosh, like that. this place is so. Oh, I just can't even tell you. Yeah, this was in Sharonville, which is like a little suburb of uh, Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. But supposedly there's one downtown too, but I don't know if it's exactly the same. But this place, this place is amazing. I mean, when they come out and sing "Happy Birthday," they do not play. Their food is amazing. Their drinks are... There's so many different drinks, y'all wouldn't even know what to yeah, do. Yeah, I think, I think Sarita said they had 50 different margaritas. And these are like... We posted some pictures. We need to post them in the group. I mean, these are drinks that were like... Some of them were like 27 bucks, 30 mm-hmm. bucks. 
but they literally came. It looked like a, an edible arrangement. I mean, oh, it came it's with like beautiful. all kinds of fruit and candy and yeah, and they were delicious well, too. Some of them were inside of the the small watermelons, and some mm-hmm. of them were inside of pineapples and. Yeah, I mean, but that, like I said, the atmosphere is wonderful. The food is so delicious. We had a wonderful time, and we were so honored to meet those two girls, and just so glad um, they came. And we went to what we go to a uh, horror hound, horror hound in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of fun. Got to see a bunch of cool things there, and it was a great, great couple of days. Yeah, I got to see Nev Campbell up close. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that was his. Uh, he was excited about that one. She doesn't look like she's aged a bit. And I got to see Adrian Barbeau up close. Yep, yep. So a lot of good people there. It was it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a blast. It was. Um. So can I go ahead and tell you the iTunes and stuff? Yes. All right. This week we had the one that says Tracy Four, Mojo Lobster, Nate eighty one eighty. Donna and Thomas Bilt. Thank you guys so much for your awesome reviews. We really appreciate it. And our Patreon was Lorenda Bennett. Thank you so much, honey, for your support. We appreciate it so much. You guys are totally awesome, and we still pinch ourselves at times because we can't believe we've been so blessed with all this. So you guys are amazing. Um, Just keep those reviews coming, and hopefully we'll get to meet a bunch of you guys at our shows coming up. Yes, absolutely. All right, let's listen to Hunter Redfern. Hey, guys. You know we love to bring on actors from uh, movies that are getting ready to come out. Obviously, we had the Adams Family on, and uh, their movie Hellbender is doing fantastic. Uh, just got listed as the number two horror movie of the year so far from USA Today, so that's pretty cool. And, uh, of course, we've had uh, a couple other of the guys on from uh, other movies that you've turned out to really like, and we're going to continue that tradition. Today, we've got Hunter Redfern on. He's actually one of the main actors in the upcoming movie, The Wendigo. And uh, I saw the trailer for this. It actually looks pretty good. It's a found footage film. And, uh, you know, I just want to start off by saying, Hunter, thanks for coming on, buddy. Thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it. So the the movie looks extremely fun. I'll let you tell Mm -hmm. everybody what the premise of the movie is. What's, What's the movie based on? Uh, the premise is we have this influencer whose name is Logan. You know, he has a uh, following, calls him the the Logan lovers. And at the beginning, of the movie starts off with, I'm not going to give away too much. Don't worry. It starts off with him pretty much doing his thing, going, going into the woods, you know, looking for this Wendigo, I guess, because his followers are telling him what to do. You know, it goes with the whole stigma with the influencers, you know, their followers telling them what to do and doing all that. And he goes out there and more or less something, something happens and it's pretty much live streamed. So all his influencer friends, me being one of them, Jay, and there's a, there's Jay, Cassie, Taylor and Matthew us four more or less get together and we're like hey let's go let's go find them and document it and when we go document it stuff happens <laughs> and we we and originally we all think he's just messing around with us he's just you know we're gonna find him and then he's gonna he's gonna try and prank us but you know we go out there anyway just to document it because no matter what we get to get some footage you know what i mean <laughs> yep now, this is a horror movie, but it's got some comedic elements as well. You were telling me earlier, there's a, uh, a lot of improv that actually went into this uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to what the original script was. Tell me a little bit about uh, what it was like being on the set, because how long how long were you guys on the set to begin with? Um, I, we were there for five days. They rented out a campground and. I think they said not to say what campground it was, <laughs> but <laughs> fair, fair, fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, we, uh, we went to the campground and it was running out for five days. We got to stay in cabins. Um, it was, it was really fun. They had uh food for us. We got to, they, they cooked us breakfast. Oh my God. The bacon dude. Oh, I had bacon every morning and it was so good. But (laughs) in regards to filming the movie, um, we had a script and I was all about the script at the beginning. And 
um, there's this one line i think i can say it because it's not even in the movie any because they all looked at me like i was an idiot when i said it is i i, I talk about this guy bringing a bunch of gear and i say he has gear acquisition syndrome and it was part of the script. i'm like yeah i'm gonna say this part of the script and i'm like you got that gas that gear acquisition syndrome and they look at me like i'm like dude it's in the script <laughs> and uh, we wound up taking that out and just adding some improv. And what was so great about it is we did that like the whole time. Like we had added a love thing, which wasn't even in the movie or in the script between me and uh, this Taylor person. And it's, I'm not gonna give away too much of it, but pretty much it's a little re rekindling of sorts from uh, us two. And we, we improved it all, which was very, very fun to do. Well, pretty much while we're all like walking through the woods, doing all our thing. And yeah, I think it like improving a lot of the movie made it a lot more natural since it's supposed to be natural. It's supposed to be, we have a camera, we're going out there looking. So right. like, Having that those natural reactions instead of like scripted reactions made it feel a lot more real. You know what I mean? Now you said this is probably it's going to be released uh, towards the end of the year as the plan, mm -hmm. uh, October or so. And uh, of course, you're going to hit the the regular circuit of uh, film festivals and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. obviously, we wish you guys the best of luck on that. You've seen? Am I assuming that you've seen the finished product already? No, it's actually it's still being edited. It's uh, okay. It should be. It uh, should be done, um, I'd say, around June. May, okay. June, because we, we just got done finish. We just got done filming end of February. And um, the director and uh, the person who's editing have had a, some things they had to finish. And then they're going to spend all their time editing the Wendigo, which should be around right now. So... It's it's gonna probably gonna take them about I'd say about they said about a month or two, maybe three. And yeah. what? Sorry, go ahead. Nothing. Go ahead. Finish your thought. I'm sorry. I forgot my thought. To be honest. <laughs> All right. Well, then we'll move on. So you were telling me earlier that you were actually a late acquisition to the movie. Tell mm -hmm. tell everybody that story. I thought that was pretty funny. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. We uh, this uh movie was actually in the works for about two years. And three weeks before they started filming, I guess an actor dropped out and they posted in the one second, please get out of here. My dog. Three weeks before it started, they posted in the North Carolina film filmmakers and actors and it's a Facebook group. And they're like, hey, we need this uh, 25, 22 year old influencer type. And I'm like, I'll, I'll apply for the role. Why not? And he wound up messaging messaging me um, <clears throat> about an hour later. And I had I was at a Mexican restaurant with my girlfriend. And I said to my girlfriend, one second, babe, business call. And I go outside and he's like, hey, um, he Facebook called me actually. <laughs> and he was like, hey, um, can you do an audition in an hour? Um, I'll send you the script. And uh, yeah, it's going to be on Zoom. And I'm like, yes, of course I can. And I go back in and uh, I don't even think we had gotten our food yet. <laughs> and I'm like, we got to box this up when it gets here. Yeah, grab that stuff, let's go. <laughs> and uh, yeah, one thing led to another. We got home, I studied for a little bit and they liked my audition, thankfully. And then three weeks later, we just started filming. <laughs> what and was the chemistry like on set between all you guys? Amazing, amazing me taylor taylor plays kaylee me taylor laura matthew and logan and everybody on set it was like a giant family everyone was funny everyone just clicked it was it was one of those moments where um hey let's say let me close my door <laughs> My girlfriend just comes in. I didn't even tell her that I was doing a podcast. <laughs> she, she just thinks I'm crazy. 
but um yeah she's like first you make me box up the food now you're talking to somebody (laughs) (laughs) else why's the door locked (laughs) no but um um yeah everyone on set it was the first day was a lot of uh those scenes with logan because logan was you know he's by himself a lot and he was doing those solo videos and that gave us everyone who's part of the cast where we're all filming together time to kind of like feel each other and i think that's what they the the point of it was was we all got to feel each other we all got to just talk and build rapport and it really just helped like we all just clicked and everybody was awesome I said, that's the thing about a, a smaller budget film. Like I said, you guys just pretty much stayed a week in, in cabins and stuff with a lot of time to uh, intermingle. When you get some of these big budget films, I mean, you know, I, I've I've uh, I've talked to some actors before that were on like on the set with uh, Robert De Niro. And they're like, yeah, I was in the movie, but I never met Robert. And it's like, you know, it's amazing that you could be in a movie with somebody and actually be in like not just an extra, but actually be in several scenes, but never meet the star of the movie because you didn't do a scene with them. You know, it's because a lot of mm-hmm. these big stars, they'll stay in their their trailers or whatever until they have to come out and do their part. And then they're they're done. But in a smaller budget movie, those, you know, that's usually not the case. Everybody's uh, a lot more. Um, I guess I could say the egos are a little bit smaller and, mm-hmm. and everybody yes. just looks at herself as equals. Mm-hmm. And I've been on some sets where I'm also where um, you got people who like, this is a low budget film or TV show and they just got the biggest egos. And it's like, dude, like, let's all just have a good time. Like no one's better than anyone else. And yeah, let's just hang out and have make a movie or a TV show. Now you live in, in North Carolina. Is that where you're from or did you move there because of the movie industry? I know a lot of people move because Wilmington is an area where they put out a lot of movies and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, same thing with Atlanta. And, you know, people, mm-hmm. not everybody wants to be on in Hollywood. So they'll go to the East Coast for these things. Is that why you're in North Carolina or are you from North Carolina? Um, I'm I'm actually from North Carolina. I uh, I feel like I'm very fortunate because I'm actually from like around Wilmington, well, just outside Wilmington. And I recently moved to Wilmington for like, well, recently, like four years ago. And what's so nice about Wilmington is it's like a triangle between Atlanta, um, Charlotte, and um, Knoxville, Tennessee. And Wilmington is pretty much just right there. And it's really cool just to be able to, if I wanted to go to Charlotte, if I want to go to Atlanta and even Knoxville, there's a lot of stuff happening in Knoxville now. And I got that country boy look and I can uh, do that country boy twang, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We love the Knoxville area. We go to Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge all the time. So we're we're constantly, we go there four or five times a year. So that's, that's matter of fact, we're going back again in May. So yeah, that's, that's, that's our area. And and I love that area. Just beautiful scenery everywhere you go. Mm -hmm. Me and uh, me and my girlfriend and uh, my uh, best friend, his girlfriend or wife Wanda went to Knoxville and oh my gosh it was so probably one of the funnest most expensive nights of my life (laughs) (laughs) oh my god oh and also gatlinburg is so fun oh i love it so we should go (laughs) yeah i mean hey like i said you you can go there anytime there's a good chance we'll be there that weekend (laughs) (laughs) like i said we love to go there that's where we got uh, spent Mm -hmm. our honeymoon at we usually go every year for our anniversary and then like i said Mm -hmm. about every every two or three months we go back to gatlinburg or if we're you know we were coming back from Asheville, uh north carolina coming back from florida actually but we stopped Mm -hmm. in Asheville, and uh, my wife's favorite restaurant is old mill they're in Pigeon Forge, and uh, it was her birthday the, that morning we were leaving, and we I drove a little bit out of the way back from Asheville to go by there just to to stop and get her breakfast on her birthday. Oh, that's special! You're a good, you're a good man. <laughs> I try, I try. It's cheaper than divorce. So, <laughs> well, with today's gas Very prices, true. extra hour out of the way may not be cheaper <laughs> than divorce. Like. 
honey, we can't get a divorce. These gas prices are too high. We need, we need, a, we need a carpool, babe. <laughs> so let me ask you this, because this is, this is uh, curious to me. You said with the, the little love interest deal in the movie that you kind of imp- improvised that with your character and the other character. How did your girlfriend feel about the fact that you just improvised a, uh, a relationship <laughs> in the movie that wasn't originally there? Well, there was there was one line in the movie where it was like, ah, what Jay and Jay and and uh, Kaylee are like a thing. Like there's one line and me and Taylor talk for a little bit and we're like, yeah, let's let's see if Jake wants us to build upon this. And what's what's so funny is Kaylee, the character's name of the girl is actually my girlfriend's name. So it, make it, it made it so much easier <laughs> to do. But no, my, my girlfriend's cool with it. Um, she knows it's not really nothing serious. So but at first, oh, my God, what? I can't, I can't, I can't say that. I can't reveal it. It's too, uh, <laughs> I don't want to, I can't spoil anything. <laughs> so how many, uh, how many television shows, movies have you been, have you uh, acted in so far? Honestly, I'm just starting out. Um, I've been more of on dance and theater for the past um, four or five years, especially mainly in Wilmington. And I'm part of this uh, dance group called Tecmoje, um, dance and theater company. And we've been to New York. Um, we've performed a lot in Wilmington. And recently, within the last year, I've been wanting to sort of go away from theater and dance. Because for one, I'm six foot three, 250, <laughs> 260 pounds. And your boy's a little stiff. <laughs> and... Uh, my my uh, role in the dance group is the guy who picks people up and puts them down, but Makes I'm in sense. the middle. But I'm in the middle, so <laughs> like I get to be center stage, just like doing all this stuff where I'm picking people up, throwing them in the air. And I'm like, dude, I have four or five years of dance dance quote unquote experience, but I don't know how to dance. <laughs> so I got oh my god, I was a uh, I was on. I was an extra for this TV show called Out of Touch. It's about mental health. And the director was was like, hey, we want you to go go on the dance floor, do some, do some freestyling. And I'm like, dude, I'm <laughs> stiff, bro. I can't. He's like, you're and then uh, my friend was like, You're part of a dance group. And I'm like, oh my God. He's like, why are you holding out on me? I'm like, oh no. <laughs> Well, I, I would I would think uh, even though dancing might not be your forte, uh, I, I would be willing to bet you probably got a nice career ahead of you in, in acting. I mean, you've got the look, you've got that that uh, thank you. You know, the kind of like the romance novel cover look. I mean, you've got the <laughs> the good looks and the and the long flowing hair and all that stuff. And you know, it's I, you, you got the look. I mean, it, I'll be you. surprised if that, that if you don't. Uh, end up making it somewhere along the line but if you just put the effort into it because you mm-hmm. you know as well as I do um, it takes a lot more than than a pretty face you gotta you gotta no, put 100%. in a lot of effort and a lot of time a lot of work and so I, I respect anybody that's mm-hmm. in the acting business because I've known several actors and I know what they you know have, what they have to sacrifice to to get ahead and it's not mm-hmm. something I don't think you, I'd be willing to do even though I kind of did the same thing as a comedian mm-hmm. you know you give up a lot being on the road a lot and but, uh, you know, if you got good support, you know, and your girlfriend supports you and she's happy with with uh, just knowing what it takes to get there. That's half the battle right there. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. One of the one of the I was telling my friend about this is I'm constantly looking at the NC casting or like all oh, the casting call place groups on Facebook. And if I wasn't um, checking these hourly, like pretty much hourly every day, I wouldn't have. I may not have gotten this opportunity to be part of this movie. And because I got in this movie, me and this uh, girl, Laura, she plays Cassie. We, um, they ordered a giant pizza and we volunteered to go get the pizza. And doing that, me and her talked, we were just, you know, talking, just having a good time. And we wound up becoming good friends and she wound up 
actually um, recommending me to her talent agency. And I wound up becoming a part of that just from that. And that, and that's how I got to be an extra on this other show that I was last weekend. And just so I could talk to the director who was also part of the edge agency and that's already budding other things. So it's just having a positive attitude really helps and just being able to talk to people. Oh, hundred percent agree. It's just, if you, if you feel like you can do it and you walk in there with that confidence level, I mean, that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just wish I, I wish I could have that confidence when I'm dancing, <laughs> but I can't, I'm just too stiff, man. <laughs> well, you, you have to hundred percent believe in whatever it is to have that confidence level. I mean, that's yeah. like, that's, that's like me. If you want to talk about comedy, I feel like I can walk on any stage and make somebody laugh. Didn't matter. I've been in front of some messed up audiences from strip clubs to, uh, you know, I, I've been in uh, on stages where it was an all black crowd and I was the only white person there. Mm-hmm. I've been in stages where it was uh, elderly people at a nursing home. And so, I mean, <laughs> but you, you have to, to be able to adjust and adapt, but I always had that confidence and it didn't matter what stage I was on and who the audience was, I could make them laugh. Now you put me about two or three other different types of situations. I will have no confidence and no self-esteem <laughs> that I could do it, you know, but I, it's, it's what you know you're good at as opposed to what you think you might be okay at. So I could understand that with the dancing as opposed to the acting. Mm-hmm. I, 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 uh, when I would do open mics, um, I haven't done one, done them in a while. I want to, but I remember just going up there thinking that, Hey, if I bomb and I bomb, obviously like, you know, doing open mics, you bomb sometimes like thinking oh if i bomb yeah it's gonna be funny it's gonna be funny to me so no matter what dude it's gonna be fun (laughs) and just the the positivity and confidence put together when doing something really is a a plus to have in anything awesome yeah to build upon what you're saying well Hunter, it's been super fun talking to you. And mm-hmm. let's do this. When the movie comes out, let's uh, let's do this again. And maybe we can get uh, a couple of the other actors yes, from I'd the film. And, and we'll do uh, three or four of you like we did when we we had the uh, the guys on from uh, 15 Things that you didn't know about Bigfoot. Uh, we I think we had four of us on uh, that night just talking about the movie really? and the release. And so, yeah, so let's uh, let's plan to do that. And then uh, we'll get some publicity out right as the movie's out. See if we can't get some eyes on that thing. Nice. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for having me, man. It's been, uh, really brother, it's, it's been a, a really great about... time talking. Awesome. Well, thank you, brother. Best of luck. Thank you. All right, guys, that wraps it up for us. I hope you guys had a good time and learned a little bit about the uh Perryville Battlefield. Yeah. And about the Wendigo. The Wendigo. And just a reminder, go get your tickets for the Louisville show because we're less than a month away. I know, guys. Come on out. We can't wait to see you all and have a great time. And we hope you all have a blessed week. And we love you guys. Take care.